This is an important message. I cannot stress this enough. We're going to continue the series that we started last Sunday. And no, I wasn't planning on being here, but God has a way of doing his will, his will be done. And so we're going to get into the word as a local church. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray indeed your will be done. I pray your word is heard. And I pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. There's a guy by the name of Matt Emmons. 20 years ago this summer, he was in the Olympics. Now, not a shot putter, not a runner. They actually, believe it or not, they had things happening with rifle marksmanship. Weren't quite that woke at that time. And he was absolutely excelling. In fact, in the last set of, of, of shooting, all he had to do was hit close to the target. It was no problem. I mean, he had, he had done greatly. So they went to the range and Matt Emmons, he aimed at his target, bam, nailed it. He's got the gold, except there was one problem. He was in lane two. He hit the target in lane three. Instead of a, a, a score that was easily, he was averaging 8.1. Instead of something like that, his score was zero. And instead of getting the gold, he wound up in eighth place. You know, there are all kinds of people, they excel at hitting the wrong target. They'll do great. But we have someone that is brilliant at leading people astray, getting them to think they're hitting the proper target. Before we get to the book of Ephesians, I'd like for you to turn, if you would please, to the book of Proverbs. Go to Proverbs chapter four. I shared this a little bit with the church on Wednesday night, but we're going to go there again. We need to, Proverbs chapter four. When I was having my devotions last week, it just really, it, it really hit me. I, I came across this. Proverbs chapter four. And if you would please look at verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now please, Listen carefully. That word keep means to guard, literally to garrison about. But it's talking about the you of your life. There are things that need to be in place in our lives to guard our hearts, our thoughts, what we are inside. Because... Solomon says, out of it, out of that heart, are the issues of life. In other words, whatever gets in is ultimately going to come out. 
And he says, you need to guard what is in here because what comes out not only affects you, it affects those around you. And like we were looking at before, this bitterness that Paul talks about in the book of Ephesians, really the wicked one is seeing that and saying, you know what? All I have to do to destroy this culture is get people bitter with each other. So all of a sudden we are a land of victims. This person is hurting me, who's hurting them, who's hurting us. And next thing you know, we've got hate all over the place. But as Christians, we need to be careful because there are so many things that can come out of the heart. And with so many things that are taking place today in the world, what this nation, what this culture, what this world needs is truly the love of Christ. But they're getting taught, they're getting inundated with lies. And again, remember John 8, Christ looked at the religious rulers of his day and said, you know something? I've got news for you. You are of your father, the devil, and your lust, the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, abode not in the truth. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Kent Hovind was debating an evolutionist. I thought this was interesting. Uh, they usually stack up against him. They try to big time. So this man, he was espousing, you know, the, the wisdom of evolution. And Ken Hovind said, let me ask you something. No problem. He said, uh, according to evolution, this universe started out as something that was very tightly wound. It was, it was here, you know, there was, there was great energy. Now, you don't know where the energy came from. No, we're not really sure about that. But anyway, here it is. And it started spinning around and it spun faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. All of a sudden, boom! And there was the Big Bang. And he said, yes, that is true. He says, have you ever heard of the conservation of angular momentum? Yes, I know it. That if something is spinning in a direction, everything that explodes out of there, it continues to spin in the same direction. Am I right? He says, yes, that is right. Ken Hovind said, let me ask you, why do we have two planets in our solar system that are spinning the wrong way? He said, I don't know. He said, on top of that, why are there six moons that are spinning the wrong way. He said, I don't know. What do you think? He says, I think that when God created the heavens and the earth, he got them spinning in another direction to make the Big Bang Theory look stupid. Amen. And yet, there are people incredibly passionate that are looking people in the eye and saying, in the beginning, dirt. It's the truth. 
It's the truth. Talking to somebody this last week said, the universe is eternal. No, that flies into the face of basic science. It cannot be. But when you have a desire like the wicked one has to do anything and everything to nullify the God of heaven, you're going to believe anything. A scientist said that. I read this man, brilliant man, when, and when it comes to knowing things, but he said, I'm looking at the science. I, I, I'm looking at everything across uh, what we learn in science and it all points to a creator. But I refuse to believe that, therefore I'm going to believe evolution. Now this is the world that we live in. So let me tell you what we need to do. We need to prepare and we need to prepare greatly. We need to prepare mightily because we have our God. But he also said, our God told us, in the last days, perilous times shall come. And sometimes when perilous times come, people try to hide. We can't hide. I've been reading about the apostles this last week. It has been wonderful. I'm telling you, I've learned some things about the apostle Peter and Andrew. Fantastic. But they paid a price for what they believed. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now last week, we, we started in this with priorities. Priorities. Lord willing, this morning we're going to be covering two other of the six points that I gave as we go through this, what are the things that Satan is attacking when it comes to God's people? This morning, two, power and purpose. Look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That, that word, that phrase, be strong, literally means to make strong, to endue with strength. The idea is this, as you put on a garment, you clothe yourself in this power, but the verb there is in the passive voice, not the active. We don't do it. We lean on somebody else who does it for us. It literally means be strengthened with power. Whose power is it? It's the power of the Lord. We need to remember, without me, ye can do how much? Nothing. The pastor is a fool if he's looking at his own wisdom to get up and preach the word of God. But if, praise God, if we lean on those arms, we've got him. That word power is manifest power. The idea is this, in the active efficacy of the might that is inherent in him. Again, it was amazing to read. These guys, they were fishermen. 
tax collector. I mean, they're, they're like us. And yet they went throughout the world and began to drive the powers that be crazy. Just like is what's happening in certain countries overseas, one specifically that I'm thinking of, where the people who worship all kinds of gods are looking at the God of heaven and they are, oh my, so what's happening? People are turning to the God of heaven. They're turning to the Savior, crucified, buried, but risen again. I praise God for that. They're alarmed. But look at the word finally. This is fascinating. Again, it comes from a Greek word that means this. It means at last or in the future. It's pointing to the future for the church. Remember, in the last days, perilous times shall come. He's saying, listen, finally, this is what you need to see for what's to come. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, the people in Ephesus, they recognized this, that there is violence in the world. Their world was violent. Ours is going that direction more and more and more. We really do have warmongers in our nation and around the world. The wicked one is pushing everybody to it. He loves to get things all stirred up. Why? Because then he can step in and show himself as a savior. When he says, be strong in the Lord, it is not a suggestion. It is a command as we will see why. But the point is this. Paul is being used of the God of heaven to tell us something. There's preparation that we can have. It's ours. It's been bought for us. But we better take it. How do I become strong in the Lord? The Bible tells us. Acts 1.8, Christ said to the disciples, just before he was lifted up into heaven again, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jerusalem, that's where the people were that were in power that hated them. Hey, Judea, well, we might be able to handle that, but Samaria, we hate those people. The uttermost part of the earth, the uttermost part of the earth? Yes. How could he say this? Because he had already said in Matthew 28, 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, there was a different word used there. It literally means authority. God is large and in charge. Are you listening? He's large and in charge. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We need to recognize that. Somebody say amen. amen. We need to see that. We understand. My soul, we've got people believing lies. When I read about the bills that are coming down in Sacramento right now, they are going after the children. They're going after freedoms. They're boasting about it now. They're not hiding anything. 
it's time we recognize what's being told us in this passage right here because it's a command. We need to ingrain in our hearts and minds the truth of Jesus' words. They are Jesus, they are in his word, and he spoke it. Abide in me, John 15. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, neither can ye except ye abide in me. Abide in the vine, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, again, ye can do nothing. Now we can either aim at the wrong target or we can choose the one that the Lord calls us to. We have people right now that are being challenged in our church, several actually, several. We're all being challenged when it comes to our Christian walk. It's time to set aside the weights and the besetting sins and to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Go to Isaiah 40, if you would, please. Go to Isaiah 40. I love the promises of God in the book of Isaiah. Look at verse 31, Isaiah 40, verse 31. <coughs> but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You see that word renew? It means to substitute, to exchange. He says you exchange what you have. It's never going to do it. You take my strength, just like we're challenged of by the apostle Paul. Make that exchange. There was a man, who, very musical, he taught music colleges, etc. His last name was Showalter. He was a professor of music. He loved good hymns and, and, and gospel songs. One evening in 1887, he was in Alabama and he had just taught a, just taught a class. He went back to his room, his, where he was staying at this boarding house. There were two letters that are waiting for him. He looked at both. They were both former students, both former students. Both of these former students had the same thing happen to them. Their young wives had died. He was just stunned. He had a habit of writing his students back, and so he sat down and he started thinking, and, and what, what do I tell these? And immediately he thought Deuteronomy, and he went to Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He started thinking about that promise. He started scribbling words down. He took out two pieces of paper. He wrote back to each of them, and then he wrote a third person a friend of his, and said, hey, I've had this thing come on because of this situation and this situation. I've, I've scribbled down a little bit of a chorus, but I, I, my, my mind is at a blank when I'm thinking about trying to think about verses that can, that can go along with that. Can you help me with it? Well, the man, 
he wrote out three verses with the chorus, shot it back to Showalter. He put it to music. And if you looked in our hymn book on page 40, and don't do it right now, you would read this. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. That's called exchange. My strength for his. That's what the, the word renew means. But this is important. Go back, if you would, please, again to Ephesians 6. Look at verse 10 again. And excuse me, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. That phrase comes from a Greek word where we get our word panoply. It means holy, fully, holy armed, fully armed. It was the full armor of a heavily armed soldier. Expositors says this, just briefly about that. Of God is the panoply which comes from God or is provided by him. The emphatic thing, the idea being that we need not only a divine equipment, but the equipment in all of its completeness. Understand, he says, put on the whole armor of God. Everything that is listed in the list that we will start on next Sunday, everything is needed. We, just, we don't just need the helmet of salvation. We don't just need the breastplate of righteousness. We need the whole thing because we are, we are commanded and we are promised this. We, having done all, put it all on and in prayer and in faith, we can stand. We can stand. But this is what we're facing. Again, look at verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand, watch this, against the wiles, the cunning, the deceitfulness, the trickery. Stand against the wiles of the devil. We've got intelligent people right now that are believing that you can take a male body, butcher it, and turn it into a woman. And in fact, they're pushing it on young teenagers. I'm sorry, I've got grandkids. You try to tell my grandkids that, you'll pay a price. Because he made them male and female. Hello? And when you've got somebody that's running for the Supreme Court and asked a simple question, would you please define a woman, somebody who was going in, she was appointed a woman because we have to be diverse and then she can't describe what she is. That's the kind of wicked one that we're dealing with. That's not right. 
That's not right. So he says stand. That's another military term. It means to stand firm. You know, we have the greatest military in the world. The most mighty. I love it. I'm, I, there's some things I loved about coming to this church so long ago. Remember this, Larry? I, I'd, I'd be walking here, and all of a sudden, I hear a jet taking off. There'd be an F-111 or an F-15, and right about here, he'd just bang burner. Oh, I'm telling you. Isn't that great? It just, I mean, we're, we're, we're walking down here one time with Chuck Cofty, and one of them came by, and he looked at me, and he goes, the sound of freedom. Except there's one problem. That's not where the battle is out there. What's taking place within our borders, that is what is going on. That's what's destroying the nation. Yeah, preacher, I know what you mean, man. All those illegal aliens. No, that's not it. It's what children are being taught in government schools. It's the spewing of the filth over television. It's the, it, it's, it's the lies that are coming across from people with a smile on their face. That's what's going on. That's what's happening. Has it affected us? This, didn't, this happened a little while ago, but I thought, you know, I, I got to bring this up because this is indicative of what's taking place. We moved here in 1991, 33 years ago. 33 years ago, that same year, there was a book that came out. Maybe some of you would remember it. The Day America Told the Truth. How many of you remember that title? Okay, here's what happened. A large group of Americans were asked the question, what would you do for $10 million? What would you do? What would you be willing to do for $10 million? I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm going to trust my God and not Benjamin, you know, the, or the, whoever else picture is there. Two-thirds, understand this, please. Two-thirds of the Americans polled agreed to at least one of these. Some agreed to several. 25% would abandon their entire family. You say, well, 75% wouldn't. I can't. 25% is okay? I don't think so. 25% would abandon their church. Well, they probably abandoned the God of the church a long time ago anyway. 16% would give up their American citizenship. 16% would leave their spouses for $10 million. 10% would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. 7% would kill a stranger. Maybe one of them is one of your neighbors. 3% would put their children up for adoption. Now, I laugh about that. People think, you know, no, hey, listen, money. What, 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 a, what a curse. This is what we're getting at. We're now going to purpose. You have to have a rock-solid purpose when you know where you stand. Where you know where you stand. Um, years ago, it's been several decades, 
A lawyer by the name of David Gibbs began the Christian Law Association. We have been supporting them for a long time, ever since we've been here. And they have done a wonderful job in helping God's people when it comes to keeping our freedoms, keeping, pe- keeping pastors out of jail, et cetera, et cetera. But he did warn God's people. He said this, the difference between a conviction and a preference. They found this out in going before the Supreme Court. He's been there. A preference is a very strong belief. It's held with great strength, he said. You can give your entire life in a full-time way to the service of a preference and can also give your entire material wealth in the name of that preference. You can energetically proselytize others to your preference. You can also want to teach this belief to your children and the Supreme Court will still rule that it's only a preference that you have. A preference is a strong belief, but a belief that you will change under the right circumstances like peer pressure, family pressure, lawsuits, jail, threat of death. What makes the difference? This is what the Supreme Court said. A conviction is a belief that you will not change, even up against what I just mentioned. Why is that? Because he believes that his God requires it of him. Now, here's the thing. Preferences aren't protected by the Constitution. Convictions are. A conviction is not something that you just discover. A conviction is something that you purpose in your heart. Remember Daniel? Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the king's meat. That purpose, if it hadn't been for the fact that God had worked in the hearts of others, that they would have killed Daniel. That's it, gone, done. But he purposed. He had a conviction. So here's where we are. There are things that we need to have a conviction about, this being the word of God, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that God's word is the fountain of our truth and that we need to obey it, including putting on the whole armor of God. Convictions, convictions on the inside. Listen, please. Convictions on the inside will always show up on the outside. Sooner or later, remember what we saw in Proverbs 4? Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Convictions on the inside ultimately show up on the outside. The truth is, 
We only believe as much of this Bible as what we are willing to obey. According to the Supreme Court, to disobey a conviction is a sin. The person sees it as a sin against their God. Look at verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Can I, can I remind you of something? You can't hate people that you pray for. And I pray for people in government. I pray for President Biden and for Governor Newsom. I don't like what they do many times, but they have an eternal soul. And my Savior died for them as much as he died for me. Who he didn't die for is the rulers of the darkness of this world. That's where our battle is. When there are people that we are going up against no matter where it is, the fact of the matter is they're believing something that we know is a lie even when it flies in the face of truth. That's why we need to pray for them. Again, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, the sad thing is, is there are some Christians that will say, well, I wrestle not. No, we're, we're all wrestling. You, you're, if you've trusted Christ, you're in the battle. You've got a target on you. When he made that statement, see, it's kind of interesting that all of a sudden he shifts from a Roman soldier to a wrestler. But there was a reason. The Ephesians knew what this was all about when he mentioned this. When it came to wrestling, they got in there and the main goal was to be able to take your hand on the neck of your opponent and push it down. You've got his neck. There was gouging. There was all kinds of blood. It was amazing what would go on. And you wanted, if you got in it, you wanted to get in it to win it. Why? Because the loser had their eyes gouged out. You didn't want to just roll over. So it was, in other words, it was intense and the price was high. So we stop and think about this. This is who we're wrestling with. And sadly, it seems like there are some people, some Christians even, they've gotten to the point where they can't see. They can't see this and they can't see that. They can't see the hurt they're bringing on some people or they can't see how they're missing the mark. They're aiming, but it is the wrong target. There are situations where the target means something. 
So we need to stop and ask ourselves, are we wrestling? Are we putting on the whole armor of God? One of Satan's most effective strategies, and therefore one of the believer's greatest dangers, is this. It's the delusion that there really is no serious threat between good and evil. People just have opinions. They, they, they have the way that they go, and, and there's the way that we go. I'm sorry. I believe in the wicked one, his existence, not his cause. And we will continue to see this. But please, it doesn't matter how accurate you are if you're shooting at the wrong target. You know, it's sad. Many people invest their entire life on the wrong target. They fight in the wrong battle. The battle is not political. The battle is spiritual. And I believe with all my heart, we're going to get to heaven. And we're going to realize, those of us who are true, we, we've trusted Christ, we're going to realize just how important it was that we gather. And yet there were so many things that were left undone. This is why we need to get the complete armor on. Let's pray.